everyone, and welcome to the Purpose Unstoppable podcast, where we're encouraging you to step out to fulfill the calling and purpose God has placed upon your life with boldness. My name is Tiffany Hill, and today we have a really good word from the Lord. I mean, this word is good, but guess what? It's going to require you to do some hard work. It's going to require you to sit down before God, to be honest with yourself, and to be very honest with God. So before we get into prayer, I want to warn you, those who you, those who have children, you may not want them to hear the beginning of this message. So you guys, let's go into prayer. Father God, we thank you so much for this day, Lord. We thank you for the blessings that you have given us, Father God, even the things that we don't even see, Lord. We thank you that you are working things out on our behalf, Father God. We glorify you, Lord. We magnify you, Lord. We exalt your name. We thank you for being our creator, Lord. We love you. We love you, Lord. And we thank you for being who you are. Not for what you do, just for who you are, Lord. Lord, everybody that you sent here today to hear your message, I pray that you touch their hearts. I pray that you speak to their hearts, Father God. I pray that you tell them exactly the thing that you see that needs working on. I pray that they sit before you and be very honest with you, Father God, pouring out everything to you, Lord. And Lord, as for me, decrease me and increase you. Speak to your people, Lord. Use me for your glory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. So today we're coming from the book of Revelation, chapter 17. And in this particular chapter, we have the the great city of Babylon, who is referred to as the the great prostitute. And in this particular city, these people were fornicating against God. They were committing idolatry. And so they were about to receive judgment for this. And so when we look at the word fornication, fornication is any type of illegal sexual activity, sex acts, that occurs outside of the way in which God created sex to occur. We know God created sex to occur between one man and one woman who are both married. And fornication is adultery. Premarital sex. Fornication is homosexuality. It's pornography. It's masturbation. Fornication is incest. Any type of illegal sex, sexual activity that occurs outside of the way in which God created sex to occur. I mean, it's many ways. And I, I can't get to all of them, but... Any type of illegal sex acts that occur outside the will of God, that is what fornication is. And these people in this particular city were going against God. They were prostituting their bodies over to the things of this world, putting those things before God, treasuring the things of this world before God. And judgment was about to hit this particular city. And so when you think about, about an idolater, you want to, um, I was referred, God led me to Colossians chapter Um, 3 verses 5 and 6 and he said to me in this particular scripture that um, an idolater is a greedy person it's a person who is worshiping the things of this world and he gives me the word covetousness and I want to read these two scriptures out to you I'm going to read first in the New Living Translation version and then I'm going to follow up in the English Standard Version So it says, so put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing, have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy for a greedy person is an idolater. 
worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. Put to death, mortify. Therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. So what God is saying to us is this. You cannot have both. You can't worship the things of this world and then you want God as well. I grew up with this phrase and you probably are familiar with it. Um, my parents said it all the time. It, it says you can't have your cake and eat it too. We can't. We can't have our cake and eat it too. You have to make a choice. And as Christians, without even realizing, or some of us may not want to even admit that we want to acquire, we want to possess more. And it's nothing wrong with wanting more for your life, but it's the way in which you go about doing it. I mean, you can desire something so badly that you go after this thing with all you have, all of your heart. You desire the car, you desire the house, you desire the wealth, you want more money. You desire the spouse, you want to be married, you you desire the child, even the promises of God you desire this thing so bad without even realizing it you created an idol placing this thing before God putting that thing before God treasuring the things of this world before before God and so we don't have to look to the things of this world to get what God already assigned and ordained for us to receive before the foundations of the world he already knows the things that we are supposed to have he already knows it. So we don't have to look to the things of this world and try to go outside of the will of God to get what God already assigned and told us that we would have a promise to us. So he says in Matthew 6.33, if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he said that all these things shall be added unto you. So he gives us in this scripture two first priorities. The first priority is, are we seeking the kingdom of God first? He didn't say seek your friends first when you have an issue or if you got something going on. He didn't say go to them first. He didn't say go to your spouse first. He didn't say go to a relative first. He said seek him first. Are we developing a relationship with God? Are we giving God everything that we have? So are we seeking God for everything? Is he first place in our lives? If you sat down and made a list of things and you put a priority list together, is God the, at the top of that list? If God is not at the top of your list, then we have an issue. God should be first place at the top of your priority list. The second thing he told us in this particular scripture was, he said, and his righteousness Yes, we are made right with God through the blood of Jesus Christ. We accepted Jesus Christ into our heart as our personal Savior. And you know what? I did this. When I was I was a Christian, I became a Christian at the age of 13. And some of you know my story. When God changed and touched my life, I was saved. But I couldn't stand in God's presence because of the condition of my heart. So what is your heart condition? Is your heart in the in right standing with God? Is your heart in, in, the, in right standing with God? What is the condition of your heart? Because what sin does is separates us from God. It places a wedge in between us and God. So in order to close the wedge, in order to close that gap of separation, because God never leaves us, we leave, we leave him. But in order to close it, we have to come back to God. And how we come back to God is confessing out loud the things that we've done. We take ownership of what we've done. We ask God for forgiveness and he immediately forgives us. 
then we allow him to clean us up of all unrighteousness. We don't clean ourselves up, but God does that. And then we have to repent of that thing. We have to, you know, change our minds about what we've done and completely repent. When I repented of my sins, God completely put a wall up. I could not go back. Mine, mine was immediate. But sometimes, you guys, you might have a strong hole in your life and you want to stop. You, you change your mind, but you keep going back to that thing. You want to stop, but you, but you need help. You need God to make you stop sinning. You need God to make you to come out, get you to come out of the world. You can't do it alone. So you have to keep coming back to God and say, Lord, confessing that thing. You have to keep coming back to God. Keep coming back to God and don't let go of God until he blesses you, until he changed you, until he transformed you. So the strongholds in your life, you may need to keep going back to God. But guess what? God wants that from you. He knows you cannot do it on your own. That's why he needs you. That's why he wants to help you. So he said that all these things shall be added unto us. Everything shall be added to us if we look unto him. So in Colossians chapter 3 verses 5 and 6, it tells us in order to not go to the things of this world, it tells us what we need to do. He said that we needed to kill. We needed to mortify. We needed to deprive the power of, destroy the strength of the earthly things, the earthly sins lurking within you. Now, in order to destroy these things that are lurking within you, the sinful things that are in your heart, in order to do that, you first have to identify that you have an issue with your heart. Your heart has a condition. Now, we're not talking about your tangible heart, the heart that that has you living right now, that's beating right now. We're not talking about that heart. We're talking about your non-tangible heart, the core of who you really are. That is your soul. Your soul is your mind, your thoughts which is your mind. Your soul is your emotions, which are your feelings. And it's your will, which are your choices. So what thoughts are you having? What thoughts are you having that you need to submit to God and say, Lord, I need help with these thoughts? What are the things that you're feeling within you, the emotions that you have? What are those things that keep you crying? What is that thing that you need to submit to God that keeps you making the wrong choices. What is it? And God wants to come in to clean you out. You have to sit before God and be very honest about the condition of your heart. Is it rejection? Are you facing depression? Are you lonely? What is that empty place? God wants to come in to fill that empty place that is in your heart. He wants to sit in there. He doesn't want you to go out to the things of this world because you had a thought that led to a feeling that made you make a choice. He doesn't want you to go to the things of this world. He wants you to come to him, submit that empty place to him and allow God to move in. So in order for us not to turn to the things of this world, you have a part to play in this. You have to co-labor with God. And how do we co-labor with God? He said that you got to be the gatekeeper of your heart. In Proverbs 4.23, it says, above all else. I mean, above all else. He said to guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Another translation says, for everything you do determines the course of your life. So God is saying to us that your heart is so very important that you need to guard that thing. You need to guard it. You don't need to allow everything to come into your heart because it's just that important. It's who you are. It's the core of who you are. So in order to do these things, 
First of all, you cannot do this without God. You need the presence of God. You need to sit before the presence of God. You need to be in God's presence. You need to be praying. How do you change anything if you're not praying? You have to pray. You have to fast. Because fasting breaks the strongholds. It breaks the flesh. It kills the flesh. The things that you're struggling with, those strongholds that you're trying to get rid of, you can't do that alone. It takes the power of God to do this. But you have to co-labor with God. You have to be fasting. Fasting is a commandment that God has given us. So when you fast, you know, you don't we're you don't want to ever operate in the flesh. Carnality in Greek means fleshly. And the word in the definition for fleshly, one of the definitions for fleshly is the animal appetite. So if you think about an animal, an animal cannot be controlled. You that's why they have them locked up in the zoo. Because if those tigers and bears get out, they won't be able to control them. They can do whatever they want to do. That's the same difference as our flesh. Our flesh wants to do what it wants to do. Doesn't want to be controlled. So you have to put that thing under subjection. You have to kill the flesh and you do it by fasting. You have to meditate on the word. You have to read the word as well. Because when you're reading the word, it is cleansing your heart. It is cleansing those thoughts. It is changing those mindsets. It's purifying, purifying you. We also want to be praising and worshiping God. You know, you don't have to praise and worship God just at church. You, you this is all this is at your home. Create this atmosphere in your home, in your car where you're praising, you're worshiping God because it shifts the atmosphere. When you're feeling sad, just begin to praise and worship God. You know, we don't always feel like it. We don't feel we all we don't always feel like praying. We don't always feel like worshiping. Guess what? But God deserves it. But when you begin to get your body, you know, tell your flesh to the spirit has control. You're you're guided by your spirit, not your flesh. So when you begin to begin to lift up worship and praise to God, it begins to change your attitude. It changes. It changes your perspective. You begin to feel better and that heavy load is lifted. So we sit in the presence of God because guess what? There's no other change that can happen without being in the presence of God. I mean, you can tweak yourself to change certain things, but you cannot completely transform and change your life without being in the presence of God. You need God in your life. So the second thing is in order for us to co-labor with God and be the gatekeepers of our heart, you're going to have to develop self-discipline and self-control. When you're developing self-discipline and self-control, it allows you to put up perimeters and boundaries so that you have you you have a standard. You everybody can't come into your your boundary. When you have an open door, that means anybody and everybody can come in. But when you close those doors and those windows in your home, think about you you have a house, you open up your doors, and you open up all your windows, and you tell everybody just come in and do what you want to do. But when you set, that's when you don't have boundaries in place. But when you put boundaries in place, you, you have windows closed, you have doors closed, and you only open the door to who you allow to come in. Self-control allows you to resist temptation. So when we resist temptation, you have to know the difference. What's the difference from temptation and a test? God never tempts us, but he tests us. When God gives you a test, God prepares you for a test. Whenever we we prepare to take an assessment if we were when we were in school, 
the teacher gave you a study guide to study on and she said go on and study whatever you have to study to prepare you for the test gave you the test date so that you can be prepared to take the test that is a test but a temptation is doesn't come from God so you have to know the different the characteristics of God you have to know what he does and what he doesn't do so when the temptation comes you think about if you have a mouse trap in your hand and on the mouse trap you know how you put the cheese on top of the mouse trap and the mouse and the cheese is the bait for the mouse that's the temptation the temptation is the cheese so if you that mouse reach for the cheese he's going to be trapped if you reach for the, the cheese you're going to be trapped so you don't want to get trapped but if you find yourself in a situation god does not condemn you he forgives you you find yourself in a situation you close the gap and you come back to god confess out loud what you've done ask god for forgiveness repent of that thing and keep coming back to god you don't let god go so that's the difference between temptation and a test but boundaries when you set boundaries when you have self-control you put things in place to where things won't just easily happen you begin to strengthen your spirit man when you develop self-control and self-discipline another great aspect of having self-control and self-discipline is that it gives you the ability to say no everything can't be a yes you have to say no to certain things and certain people what people do you have to let go that when you begin to set your boundaries that are now in your space because some people are only seasonal they're not meant to go with where god is telling you to go so in order for god to expand your capacity you're going to have to let some things go and certain people just can't keep being in your life because they're bringing you down so what are those boundaries you need to put in place for the people in your life you can't go everywhere they go you can't have all these different other type of conversations with everybody that goes against the heart of God. Another thing that we do is, and this is the last thing I gave you, three tips. But the last one is you have to be content in resting God. Can we just take a deep breath right quick? On the count of three, one, two, three, inhale and exhale. Breathe because we have to rest in god to know that he has everything under control god loves you so much he knows the number of hairs you have on your head he thinks about you every single day every hour every minute every second of the day it's no day no time no hour no minute no second that goes by without god thinking about you so we have to rest in God and be content in what God is doing in our lives. We don't have to go outside of the world to get stuff. But we rest in God and know that God got us. He has our best interests at heart. He knows the plans that he has for you. Before you were even placed in your mother's womb, before the foundation of the world, he knows the plans he has for you. And he is, and he, and it's the best interest for, he has the best interest for us. So when we sit down and we rest in God, we know, and we, we trust in God, we know that God's going to take care of it. God's going to take care of our situations. We don't have to be frantic. We don't have to be concerned. We don't have to be anxious. Oh, when is it going to happen, Lord? Well, why hasn't it happened, happen, Lord? Well, when are you going to do it, Lord? Well, why you haven't done it yet? Guess what? God does not work on your time. 
God does not work on Kronos time. His time is Kairos. It is right on time and it's never late. You're going to get it when God says you're supposed to have it. So we rest in God and know that he's taking care of everything that we need in our lives. So we don't have to allow the worldly things to lure us into sin. Because when you think about it, does that stuff really matter? Because when you go before God and you stand before the awesome, the holy presence of God, you want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. You don't want to hear, depart from me. I never knew you. This stuff really doesn't matter. So what we have to do is focus our attention on God and not the stuff. You guys, I pray that this message was helpful to you today. I pray that it was inspiring to you today. And I pray that you receive the word of the Lord for today. I want you to chase after God like you've never done before. Do something different. I love you, but Jesus Christ loves you so much more. I want you to go out and inspire the world around you to be purpose unstoppable.